Keys with it, man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. He's his, oh, it's his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum, Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah. Head on no, to the stage. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you, Sam? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me today is 2019-20 Supercoach BBL champion Tomo Aitken, who I've just been informed is a pretty upset bloke. Uh, we're recording this just before the Thunder and Hurricanes game on Monday night. Uh, Tomo, mate, um, Josh Felipe went pretty well the other night. You've got him in your side. Spin us a yarn. What happened? Yeah, he is in my side and he's been tracking along, scoring some runs, doing okay. And I thought just on the off chance that he goes cheaply, I'll just put him as emergency, see how he goes, watching him go, score pretty well, wins the game pretty much off his own bat for the Sixers. I've got Ollie Davies there. I was like, he hasn't played for a while. He's no chance of coming in. And lo and behold, when I checked the team list today, Davies is in, so... He's got a lot to live up to. He'll have to score a lot of runs to match his performances, but that's super coach, eh? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, mate, that, is, that sucks. Um, well, mate, to be fair, if there's one bloke who can do it on what we've seen, Ollie Davis, we've seen him hit five sixes in a row already this tournament, so hopefully he comes out and just blasts a ton for you and, and Felipe becomes a non-issue. Mate, anyway, also joining us tonight is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you? Hey, fellas. Yep, all good. Um, the sun's back out in Sydney and played a bit of tennis today. Went to the beach, had the day off, so just enjoying it, lads. Um, the test is good too. Hopefully we can knock over the Indians uh, if the rain clears tomorrow. But um, all good, lads, all good. Not so much my Supercoach side as fan. Pretty ordinary couple of rounds, to be honest, but uh, everything else is tracking all right, I'll tell you that. That's right, Spy. You're an all-round sportsman, mate. I reckon this could be the round that you bounce back to a bit of form. Um, mate, you, you gave us a few sob stories as well off-air just before. Mate, what's been going wrong for you? If there's anything that's gone right, let us know about that as well. Uh, quickly on the going right, I had Maxi as my captain this weekend, so that worked out pretty well. Um, I mean, not this weekend, whenever it was, uh, the last couple of days. And Stoinis has been pretty good for me as well. Uh, brought in Livingston, and gee, he looked good the other night. He was hitting them out of the park. 104 meter six or something was good to see, and he got dropped on one actually. So that's that was a stroke of luck I needed. So that was good, but I think the biggest sob story has been the big dog Aaron Finch. We know how good he is. Um, I was just telling you boys off air that I've had him in my side since his double, and he's basically he'd be lucky to have scored ten runs since then. Um, he's also lost about. $80,000 for me and I was sitting there and it's a genuine dilemma. I'm like, I can't see him on my bench for someone like Dan Hughes, who's my backup, because you know it's going to happen. As soon as I do that, he'll score 100 for sure. So I've kept him in, kept him in, kept him in. And last night, I couldn't even bear to watch him bad. And I was actually doing something else and I flicked on just to check how he was tracking after a couple of overs. I'm like, hope, hoping to see him 20 not out, then I'd sit down and watch him pump out at least a half century. Anyway, the, the Gades were one for 22. I'm like, oh, there's no Finch there. This isn't good. I'll check what the batsmen are on. Oh, 17 and 5. <laughs> that doesn't leave much room. And then I saw Maxi clean him up. At least Maxi, my captain, got him. But, yeah, uh, the look of that shot, Finch is in all sorts. But, again, do I do I drop him next round? Because 
you know what happens. He's he's going to score runs at some point. And the week I bench him for my backup batsman, he'll he'll punch out 150. So I'm just going to stick with the big dog, and he's too good not to come back. Surely, boys. Uh, mate, that's yeah. crook to hear. And I mean, I think pretty well since Finchie went below 100k, he's been he's lost too much value to consider dropping. I haven't played him in my team the last two or three rounds, fortunately. But I think at his price now, he's I mean he's going to be below 60k. I think, which is just mind blowing for the Australian short form captain. Um, he's the perfect bloke to just play as your auto emergency loophole. And if he does go off, you, you've got him there for that inevitable big score. We say inevitable big score that's coming, but we've been saying that for about almost two months now. So oh, anyway, Tom, mate, how's your side going? All right? Yeah, we were in the high hundreds or sort of the low hundreds actually a couple of rounds ago and I thought we were going all right, but then just a couple of average rounds slipped back into 300s and leading into this final double round, I think I was about or 479, so 479. So need to pull a few things back here, especially after that recent Philippine news. Um, I brought in Livingston two boys, and um, he was really, really good. Bit lucky early, but you know, in T20 cricket, you need a little bit of luck. And his rapid fire knock against the Sixers was good. Also brought in Zampa for his double game round and five wickets in the first game after injuring his shoulder. So that was pretty good. Um, Josh Philippe, even though he's on my bench this round, last couple of rounds he's made some runs too. And Dan Christian just keeps on doing Dan Christian things and playing well, does it with bat ball. He always seems to field in positions where he gets some points too. So they've been the mm. things going right. A few things going wrong leading to the slip back in the rankings. I brought in Cal Ferguson for the Thunders double. So I thought he's pretty consistent and he really has an absolute shocker. But he's had a few shockers in a row and he just can't buy a run since I traded him, traded him in. So hopefully he has big tonight. Um, I was one of the few, well, not few, there was quite a few of us, I think, actually, that had Mitch Marsh as captain and he doesn't even get through his first over and gets injured. So that was far from ideal. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't alone. Um, and Andrew Tyre brought back in for the Perth double and he was in my side at the start of the year but just couldn't buy a wicket. Out he goes. He seemed to get on a bit of a run, started to hit some form, but... He's just not taking wickets when he's in my side. So just one of those players, we all have them in our team, just one of those players I can't catch. And the other thing that's been a little bit of a cross for me is O'Keefe and Big Carlos, when I had them in for the Sixers double, they didn't do much. But since I've got rid of them afterwards, they've each had a game where they went pretty huge. So a few things going wrong, looking to make amends over the past few rounds for me. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Uh, I'm glad you brought up... um, who was it there? Oh, you're freaking out. Yeah, there's a couple that, that, that came to my attention there because I had Marshy as well, brought in Mitch Marsh last round. And, you know, I didn't skip. I was absolutely devastated when he, when he went off early and I brought him in as a big, you know, 170K trade-in, went off injured. Then I, I thought about it. I was like, actually, he would have been a pretty popular um, skipper decision. Spoke to you in our, our group chat and you told me you skipped him. I just thought, oh, you know, it could be a lot worse. Um, but it was AJ Ty. I'm with you, mate. I've had him since round one and just cannot catch his good score. He missed his – scored a big 100 there at one point, missed that one along with all his other good scores. Seemed to play him whenever he goes poorly. So, um, fortunately, he has made a lot of value back and actually made some good coin, but really hoping he comes good uh, in the second game of the double for the Scorchers. Uh, the Mighty Stallions have just been on a roller coaster all season. We got up to about 13, 1400 there before round nine. 
had an absolute stinker in round nine, had Darwin Milan, who's been my big pod for about three or four rounds now, just hasn't been able to fire since he's won good score. Obviously, they had Marshy there as well that didn't help. Um, but really well placed this round. I've sort of fallen on my feet a little bit and hoping to get um, on the edge of that sort of top 1,000, if not even in it, provide pending how the next two games go. Um, the Spiceman, Andre Fletcher, got him in last round, didn't play him, uh, but did bring him in this round as my AE loophole. Um, and got that big, what, 89 or something I think he scored, which was about 140 Supercoach points. Um, so I've got the Spiceman. I looped Maxi as captain, got Zamper in, Livingston. So I'm 942 with six players left this round. So I'm hoping uh, if I can finish well, there'll be a good good jump there for the Stallions. But, again, we know how quickly things can go wrong in Big Bash, so I won't get their, their hopes up too high at this stage. Mm, promising, though. Sounds like a huge round, I reckon. The Spiceman had a blinder for you. How was he the other oh. night? Good to see. Yeah, he was still only in, a, in about 4% of teams as well. I just thought, I know his form was terrible, but um, just at his price, playing the double, I thought he was a perfect bloke to come in as that AE loophole. And if he if he went terribly in game one, I wouldn't have looped him at all. But, um, you know, you win some, you lose some. Unfortunately, I got up on the spice when he delivered for me. Uh, in tonight's episode, we're going to cram three rounds into one, uh, cover rounds 11 to 13. There's no double games after this, obviously, round 10. There's no more buyers. So we're going to basically just talk about, go through club by club. It's all about targeting the best of the best in Supercoach and getting them into our side. So we're looking at the guys at each club that we're going to be targeting for the run home. We'll talk about a few of the more popular players that we're looking at avoiding for whatever reason. Uh, dropping our bold predictions, which we do every week, recap last week's bold predictions, uh, and then look at the best skippers for the run home, a.k.a. who do we think the best players in Supercoach are this year that can get you the safest points while also having that that high ceiling. Um, guys, if you have enjoyed the content in the podcast this season and would like to support the site, you can make a donation via the article on the website that holds the podcast. There has been plenty of time and effort from all the contributors that have gone into making it all happen this season, especially over that Christmas and New Year's period, which was just quick as turnarounds and and whatnot. So every donation is really appreciated if you're in a position to do so. Uh, but regardless, we've had a ball putting it all together this season. So we hope you've enjoyed the content, found it all all helpful for your Supercoach side. Uh, well, there's a fair chance we'll be able to get a, a podcast out before the finals start as well and recap. You know the key players from the sides who are actually going to play finals, but we'll play it by year and, and we'll aim to get one out before then for you as well. Let's start with our club-by-club analysis, and we'll start at the Melbourne Stars, who we've obviously spoken a lot about in recent weeks. Um, And I'll start with you, Tomo. Uh, You've probably got the key stars you want in your side already. Who are the ones, I suppose, that you're going to keep in your Supercoach side and the ones that you think are yeah keepers for the run home? Yeah, sure thing. So I've got the three stars in my side at the moment. We've got Maxi, Stoinis, and Zampa. And I think they're all a really good chance to stay. You know, Maxi's a definite stay. Stoinis, he's back bowling. It was only the one over, but, you know, if he's going to bowl a couple overs each game, then he'll be staying. And Zampa, uh, now with Rashid gone, for me, he's clearly the best spinner in the tournament, so he's a good chance to stay as well. So I've got those three, not looking to bring in any others, and they're pretty. They're all pretty decent chance of staying in my side. Yeah, mate, I've got the exact same three jotted down here as well. And I think, basically, I think they're all must-haves. Um, there was possibly, a, no, not a question mark on Stoyness when he wasn't bowling, but um, the fact that he is bowling, albeit only one over now, to see him rolling the armour again just adds to his appeal and safety so much. And I think you just have to have them three players in your side and hopefully you've got them all this round. Um, Spy, 
who do you think the keepers are from that side or guys that you're targeting? <laughs> yeah, it's an easy one, boys. Same as you lot. Um, they're the big three. Maxi, Steiners and Zampa, they're, they're a class above in the tournament. Uh, their price reflects that, but their output does as well. Um, Zampa's an interesting one. I sort of tend to agree with Tomo that he could definitely be a keeper. Um, obviously, it depends on your money situation and perhaps you look to go from Zampa to Daniel Sams, who might have a little bit higher upside, but he's a class bowler and he seems to be getting better by the year as well. He... Um, he really bamboozles batters. He can send in that top spinner he bowls. He just he rattles blokes. He gets onto the bat so quick, and the boy can take a wicket. So good man to own there. Unfortunately, I couldn't afford him for the double this weekend, but um, mm. mate, he was he's almost a must-have for the double. And for the single games running home, though, I think in, it probably goes in order of Maxwell, Stoinis, Zampa for me, but they're all class. Yep, and Spy, I mean, we're, we're basically going to talk about the, the must-haves we want for the run home and the guys that we're targeting from each of these sides. But as we know, in Supergirl to Big Bash, team values, you know, they're not, they're not all going to be sky high. You, we can't all afford Zampers and Maxis and Stoinis and, and every gun in the game. Um, so there are going to be, you know, players around that 100K mark that we need who we think can be close to keepers for the run home with our final trades that, that are a bit cheaper. Um, Zaya Khan has had, had a massive round in the double. He'll be around about 100K with a negative break even when the when unlocks for round 11. Is he a guy that you'd have in that category or not so much? Oh, absolutely. I actually had a good look at him before the double. His, his career numbers are sensational. I just got a little bit scared off by his tournament record so far. He'd scored like 11, 8 and 7. Hadn't really been given a proper opportunity yet. Um, but as soon as he's bowling consistent overs like he is at the moment uh, i think he's a class guy and at that price uh for for anyone who's in my boat where you've sort of lost a bit of team value and you can't necessarily afford all the studs then a bloke like zahir khan is perfect and again you, you could even auto emergency him if you want on your bench and then pull him into your side if need be but yeah he's, he's a great option yeah and he's going to make that money as well so he's got to be seriously looked at i think zahir khan Hey, Tomo, just wrapping up the stars, Nathan Coulter-Niles obviously been out of action for a, a few rounds now with injury. Um, he's averaging 86 Supercoach points across his three games. He had that massive score, and I think round one it was, um, belted out, what was he, 169 points in one game. Um, Coulter-Niles, 203K. At 9% ownership, there'd be a lot of sleeper teams that are inactive Supercoach teams in that lot. Is Coulter-Niles a pod for the run home at top dollar, or are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, I've got him in. Um, I think we're going to talk about this a bit later, but he's one of the ones I've got to in my sort of avoid category. He had his moment in the sun round one, didn't he? With was it four wickets, very economical, and two runouts or something ridiculous. Yeah. So he had his moment in the sun. He's still not back from injury. He, from all reports, he will come back at some stage, but you don't know how fit he is and he's missed time. So he's not one for me and one I would be avoiding. Yeah. Let's move on to their Melbourne counterparts, the Renegades. Uh, look, not a, probably a heap to talk about here. There's not much happening in their Supercoach squad. They had a couple of cheapies there, uh, Fraser McGuirk and, and a couple of others who have probably started to exceed value a little bit now or, or getting towards that way pending, due to the time of year in Supercoach we're in. Um, Tomo, is there anyone at the Renegades who you'd look to get into your side at this time of year? Yeah, there's no major ones there because, you know, they are last on the table and that reflects with some of their super scores. But if I had to pick someone, it might be Marsh or Richo, depending on matchups and if I just had a gut feel that they were going to go big. Um, but, yeah, there's no one that I'd be um, urgent to bring in. 
Yeah, I, I think Richo's the. He's going to be about one twenty k when when lockout ends. Um, he's averaging about fifty points per game, which is certainly reasonable. Um, you know, without being over the top, average seventy five last season in Supercoach, and he's a guy that that I'm genuinely looking at. My issue with with uh, Richo, and I think we may have spoken about this on an earlier podcast, because the Renegades are just battling so hard. They've got such an inexperienced lineup. I think opposing teams can just sort of play out Richo a little bit and, you know, put the foot down, which is great for his economy rate, but they don't need to target him or go after him at all. He's their strike bowler. Oppositions know that. So uh, that worries me a little bit, a bit about Richo, but I seriously like him as a super coach player and obviously a, a cricketer. Spy, anyone at the gauge who, who you're looking at a little bit? Yeah, I'm reasonably high on Richo. Um, as you said, though, the fact they can tend to sit on him, on him a little bit is a little bit scary in that sense from a super coach point of view. Um what I'd hope would happen if I do bring him in is the Gades can hopefully put a couple of good scores together. Hopefully that coincides with Finch for me, um, but which would mean Richo's got something to bowl at and they might have to go a bit harder at him. Uh, mm. But certainly he's one of those guys, he's perfect. Again, if you can't afford someone like Daniel Sams at 220, then you might be able to get someone like Kane Richardson for 120 and he's, he's a pretty reasonable addition to your side at that price, but obviously just be aware that sometimes they might not be going hard at him, so he won't always get wickets. But even his record this year is pretty good, so I don't mind him. And you mentioned Sean Marsh. He's class batsman. He's in form, and he's not too expensive either. Uh, so he's he's someone just to have a look at if you needed a reasonable batsman at a bit of a lower price. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I myself and the spy spoke a little bit about Finch earlier on, about how we'll sort of look to utilise him um, and that we'll be holding on to him due to the lack of value um, oh, yeah, I said he's going to be about just about below 60k when lockout ends, mate. If you're looking at a cash grab and you didn't really want enough out, you wanted, you know, he's, as you said, he's a good person to use for that AE loophole if he does go big. Is he a guy you'd be looking at to buy at the price, or are you just because of that form? Is it just no chance? Yeah, look, it's a ridiculously low price for such a quality player. Um, but I'd, I'd need to see something. I need to see a spark, whether it didn't have to be an outrageous knock, but you just want to see something like a 20 or a mm. 30, and then I would jump on. You know, cricket's a funny game, and you can go from, you know, not scoring many, and then you can blast a big score, but I would just want to see something like a bit of a, a promising sign and then bring him in. Um, I couldn't, you couldn't bring him in on his current form, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's going to have a high break even regardless. So if, if he does get a knock and get some runs away, you can always bring him in the following round once we've seen that and, and chase him from there. Um, moving on to the Sydney Sixers, uh, red-hot Supercoach side, red-hot Big Bash side. Uh, I think we're all Sixers supporters on this podcast, so certainly biased about it, which is always fantastic to hear. Um, Tomo, your beloved Sixers, anyone there that you're targeting for the run home? Yeah, there's a few. I've already got Philippe and Dan Christian. They're going to stay pretty much for the rest of the tournament for me. Um, there's a couple of sneaky ones there, I reckon, the Sixers. Enriquez and Abbott, um, if they were released from the test squad and if they came back to play BBL, there's a bit of a question mark because they've just been hanging around and haven't actually been playing and just doing some training and stuff. But um, Abbott's expensive, but he is a super coach scorer. Um, 14 wickets in seven games last year and then 22 and 15 the year before. He's also a reasonable batter and I could possibly see them sending him at number seven, maybe above Big Carlos because Big Carlos hasn't done much with Mm. the bat. So if he was going to bowl and then pinch hitter at seven, he is expensive, but, you know, he can score. 
Enriquez is much cheaper. I think he's only just above 100K from memory or something close to that mark. That's a cheap price. That's a quality player. If you're looking for someone cheaper, I presume he usually bats about four. I presume he's just slot into number four. Um, He's someone I could be interested in at a cheaper price. And just the last one, a bit of a sneaky one as well, is Vince. I think he's been he's had an okay tournament. He scored some runs. But if he moved up to open the batting, him and Felipe could be pretty devastating at the top. And he's someone that if he opened against a team that wasn't traveling too well, he's a bit of a sneaky player that you could also consider, in my opinion. Yep, Tomo, you half answered my question there, my next question, which was going to be, is Dan Christian a keeper or is he a sell? You, you mentioned that there's a, every chance that he'll stay on your side for the rest of the season. Let's say, hypothetically, Sean Abbott and uh, Moe Enriquez do come back into that Sixers side, which would make them so, so damn strong. Um, both, obviously, all-rounders. Moe probably might may not bowl, but could get his overs. I don't know how that'll pan out. Um, how do you think that's going to affect Dan Christian? Um, you'd think pretty substantially, particularly Abbott coming back in. If he comes in as that sort of number seven sort of all-rounder, um, someone like Dan Christian who who hasn't necessarily bowled his max overs every week, it's got to have a pretty big impact on his supercoach scoring, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a very good point. But Christian's in such good form. I think he's going to bat, you know, he's going to keep his role with his batting coming in around that power surge. And with the ball, you know, he's he's executing pretty well and being very economical. They chuck the ball to him when they seem to need a wicket or need to seem to alter the momentum of the game. And I'm thinking that Abbott might come in for someone like a Bird or maybe a Jake Ball, and then, you know, it's not going to affect Christian's overs too much. I think he's still going to bowl and bat the same amount because he's just been on fire for them. So I think even though there's quality players to come back, I think quality players go out and his role is still unaffected, I think. But it's a definite definite watch. Yeah. Yeah, really good shout. And that's it. And it's, that's it. the bloke he replaced, if he does um, replace one of the, the sole bowlers, then, I mean, that'll that'll give you a lay a lot of concerns for Dan Christian. Uh, Spy, over at the Sixers, who is it that you like in that side that you're trying to get into your side for the run home? Yeah, a couple of things, boys. First of all, I'm definitely not a Sixers fan. I know you boys might be, but I'm not. I'm a Perth, <laughs> I'm a Perth scorcher from from day dot when Herschel Gibbs was over there. So just, just want to set the record straight there. Um, back in the golden era of the Perth scorchers, but no, I, I generally do go for the scorchers. I'm not a diehard bunny man's, but I hate the Sixers. Uh, so you can oh. have them. <laughs> that is a tough call. Can I tell you why? It's it's um, it's actually not related to cricket. I don't like the colour pink. So I just can't support them based on that. And being a country boy, I tend to try to not support city city sides. And because they're in a city, if I was going to go for any Sydney side, they'd have to be more west. So pink and the country factor, I just can't go for the Sixers. Sorry, boys. But I know they're class and they'll probably win the tournament. But go the Scorchers uh, when they do meet in the big one. Well, <laughs> so, so you're probably a Maroon supporter as well, are you? No, it's not. That's blasphemous. That's, actually, that's a bad joke, actually. <laughs> Can you delete that? Um, yeah. No, onto the Sixers. I've actually hated not owning Dan Christian. He's, um, as Tomo just said, if he keeps even a semi roll, I wouldn't mind trying to get him in as one of my premiums. But if Cash would afford it, he's just, he's class. I feel like he hasn't even hit his best with the bat yet. He's had a couple of innings, but he has the capability to do even more. And 
as you also mentioned, he fields it deep long on. So just every match, he seems to get catch after catch, and it's tough not owning him. So I will have a little look at him. Um, Philippi's been interesting. Of as we know from the early podcast, I sort of went against him from round one, just trying to go against the tide a little. And up until two rounds ago, it actually worked pretty well. He was only averaging in the fifties, which is more than decent, but it's not like he'd gone off. And I had McDermott, who had actually outscored him, I think, to that point. Um, and it all went to chaos when he had his two games coming up at Monica Oval, which is an absolute batting paradise. And I'm like, I need to get Philippi in. Uh, and I couldn't. After my real ordinary round, I just didn't have the money to do it. And I needed Jai Richardson in, and I didn't get him. And he's he's since then, he's gone bang, bang, couple of tons, and I've missed the boat on him, I think. So now that he's finished at Monica, I'm probably reasonably happy just to stay off him. If you own him, you laugh and you just sit there and enjoy it. But I'm going to hope that um, Benny McDermott from Hobart can outscore him over the final rounds. He does play a few matches in Melbourne, which might be a little bit harder to score on. But um, he's a real interesting one, Philippi, and he's been up and down for me all year as a watch. So it gives me plenty of entertainment when the Sixers are playing anyway. Um, Sean Abbott's huge if he gets in. Um, so we'll have a good look at him. And just quickly, um, just on the, the Renegades, Aaron Finch at, 55k or whatever i just had a look he actually plays the first game of the next two rounds so if you wanted to downgrade someone free up a heap of cash you could that's when you sit him on your bench if he goes off take the points and if he doesn't it doesn't matter at least you freed up that coin rather than getting someone who doesn't play you can get finch at the same price which is just ludicrous yeah yeah i don't mind the finch out at all now as tomo said you'd want to see something from him but I mean, at that price, it doesn't really matter if he doesn't because you just you're freeing up cash to get in a gun elsewhere anyway. So uh, a massive, massive shout on him. And I'm with you, lads. I'm sure now, but if he comes back, you'd have to think that <clears throat> leading that South African uh, Test tour uh, and short form tour as well, these Abbots and Moe Enriquez, guys like that, nieces who have had no cricket in them over this period and uh, haven't played in the Big Bash at all. Even though it is only T20, they're going to want to get some sort of cricket into these blokes. So you'd think they come back in, although that is unconfirmed at this stage. But uh, Sean Abbott, look, he's top dollar at over 200K, but for good reason. He averaged 85 last year in Supercoach, which is mammoth. Uh, had one round of 180 points, which is huge. So, um, But I do like Tomo's point on Moe Enriquez, the fact that if he does come in and bowl, uh, along with he'll obviously bat pretty high up the order, maybe four or five, a lot higher than Abbott. For half the price, um, if value is an issue for you, which it will be for a lot of us, uh, he's a a bit of a cut price, Sean Abbott, and can score really well. Moving on to the Sydney Thunder, the Crosstown Rivals. Uh, Tomo, I'll get your thoughts on the blokes you want to target here. Daniel Sams is the obvious one. He's going to be at over 200K after this week. Uh, He came into this round with a negative three break even before he plays tonight, so he'll be going up in money regardless. Um, mate, Sam's is the obvious one that I assume you're targeting. You've raved about him all season. And is there anyone else at the Thunder who you're after as well? Yeah, Sam's is the obvious, isn't it? I don't have him in and he's, you know, trade target number one for next round. Um, the Thunder are an interesting one. I don't have either of their openers and they could go big on their day. You know, Hales has a high score of 71 this tournament. Woodsman has the highest high score so far of 49. They both can go higher than that. They both could just produce some mammoth innings and, you know, could score a century. So I don't have either of those ones. Depending on matchups, um, a couple or either of those Thunder openers 
Hales, I'm pretty sure is more pricey than Usman, but one of those two could tickle my fancy in the last few weeks because they could go bang. Yep. Mate, a big issue for a lot of people in the next two rounds, and the run home for that matter as well, I think, is going to be... I think people are going to be looking at their trades going, all right, I can have Daniel Sams, I can have Jai Richardson, who Richardson came into this round with a massive break even. Uh, he obviously hasn't played his second game with the double at the time of recording. Mate, if you had a choice between Daniel Sams and Jai Richardson, who are probably going to be at a relatively similar uh, price, uh, who are you going with? Oh, Sams pretty easily. Um, not only does he bat higher, he's taken at least one wicket every time he's bowled, but Sams has yet to take that bag of wickets. And, you know, you'd have to think with the type of player he is, the overs he bowls, he has to take a bag of wickets before the season's out. So the fact he hasn't taken his bag of wickets yet, Richardson's been amazing, but he's taken his big bags, you know, three, three, four, whatever. Um, Yeah, Sam still has that game where he's going to take a lot of wickets and he's batting really well and suited as that power search. So Sam's is the number one player that I need to get into my side ASAP. Yeah. Like it. Spy over the thunder. Who have you got on your radar, mate? Yeah, it's a big call on Sam's there, and I do agree. I don't own him at the moment, and I think I'll just need to do everything I can to get him in. Uh, it's a really good point, Tomo. He hasn't taken that bag yet, and if he, if and when he does, he'll go he'll go even bigger. But but Jonah, we'll talk about it when we get to the scorches, but Jai's pretty immense as well, so it's an interesting one. Um and the other one who you already mentioned was Alex Hales. He scored four tons in five matches last year. And what I love about Hales, A, he's only 160K at the moment, depending on how he goes tonight. And what he does, if he generally speaking, when he gets to 20, he normally does it off about 10 balls. So straight away, you've scored 45 super coach points in about five minutes. And it takes a lot of pressure off. You can then sit back and relax and enjoy the show. But he's hitting them really well, Hales. I think he's got games coming up at Adelaide Oval. So I'll be having a really good hard look at him. In fact, I absolutely want him in my side. I just don't know if I'll be able to get him and Daniel Sams this week. So Hales, he might have to wait one round. But I really want him for the at least the last couple of matches because I think he could go troppo one match. Um, and I certainly want to own him when he does. Yeah, and I think there's a few guys you can put in the category of guys that you might want as an AE loop, which might sound stupid for someone like Hales, but um, if you just have straight batsmen who aren't bowling at all and there's that obvious risk of, all right, if they get a duck and get zero super coach points, it can just absolutely kill you. If they play early in the round and you do have a bit of depth in your team, you can whack the AE on them um, and, and basically get that free crack at them. And then if they do go off, obviously they come straight into your side through that AE loophole. Spy, I know you're a big fan of Tanvir Sanger, do you, do you see him as a keep or keeper or a sell for the rest of the season? Yeah, I still own him at the moment. Um, just quickly, I've got five minutes to make this decision. Do I pay Sanger or Wildermuth uh, this round? I'm a bit worried. Sanger's at Monaco, which is a batsman's haven, and Wildermuth's in Melbourne, so I think I'll probably put uh, Wildermuth as my last player this week. Uh, what do you reckon, boys? A bit of live-action decision-making here. Yeah, what could do. Wildworth got belted, didn't he? You got belted last game, one for 52. Yeah, it's concerning, shot, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I really like Sanger. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it on Wildermuth just because of the ground they're playing at. But on to Sanger, he's he's a class bowler. He um he doesn't always bowl his allotment, especially if a team's chasing. For whatever reason, the the skipper there isn't 
he's a little bit reluctant to use him late when the pressure's on. I think that's a mistake because he's a wicket taker. He's a class bowler. He's better than most of them, I think. Uh, but that's my real concern on Sanger at the moment as an owner is he's just not always getting the opportunity, which means pending how tonight goes, he could actually be a sell. Um, just looking at your options, uh, depending what he's worth as well. He might have, if he's down around $130,000, you'd probably just keep him. Um, but do you just want to see him bowl on those four overs consistently because he's such a wicket taker? Yeah, and when you look at um, just back on Wildermuth quickly digressing, since guys like Chrissy Lynn have come in, Joe Den- Denley, Lewis Gregory, Joey Burns, he's batting. He batted at eight last game and didn't actually get a run. They were only, I think it was five down there, the Heat. So without that batting opportunity, he becomes, he looks so good for so long with his batting top over, uh, top order, bowling his four overs, opening the bowling, bowling a bit at the death. Um, but yeah, now he's a guy that will be on my cell radar as well. Um, but, you know, one to firmly look at. Um, Tomo, just quickly, are you a Tanvir Sanger owner? No, I haven't been for the whole tournament. Um, wish I started with him earlier. He's, you know, probably been the best bargain buyer of the tournament. Thought about getting him in the double game round. Um, couldn't afford him with some of the others I wanted. Um, but I'll probably be selling him at this point of the tournament. I think, you know, he's done an incredible job. He's only young and there's probably some seasoned perform- performers that I would prefer if I was an owner at this stage. Yeah, there you go. So Sanger's a sell for the fellas. A little bit reluctant, but Sanger's a sell. Uh, moving on to the Adelaide Strikers. Tomo, we'll stick on with you there, mate. Um, any strikers that you're eyeing off? Uh, the only ones would be Head and Nisa on possible return. I think they will miss Rashid Khan and they will struggle towards the end of the tournament. So there's no one of major interest unless Head and Nisa came back. Yeah, they've been really had some really effective supercoach players this season, the strikers. I mean, aside from the obvious in Khan, um, there's been plenty in there. Wes Agar's a bloke who's averaging over 50 and has just been really, really solid all season. Uh, but, I mean, they probably don't have the out-and-out stars in Supercoach for this time of year when there's no doubles coming up. Uh, you know, they've either they've had their doubles or the guys have made their value and they're probably not a lot to target there, which does bring a lot of pods into the equation. But I'm with you, mate. Nisa and Travi Head, if they do get a start and come back in, will be they'll be very – I think – Travi had at the moment 3% ownership. They'd all be zombie teams, not playing anymore, inactive. Uh, he had average 60 last year, had a high score of 146. So a serious option. Um, Spy, what are you reckon at the strikers? Yeah, I actually had written down essentially no one, um, just for that reason that they've got a lot of good performers without having any real stars. Um, but Travi had, as soon as he's back in the setup, you have a good look at him. I just want to see one match to see if he bowls. Uh, if he's bowling those left arm offies and batting, then I'd love Travi in my side. He's one of my favourite players. Um, so, yeah, watch it. keep an eye out as soon as he's back, lads. Spy, what about Alex Carey? I think he's a guy I've got in my side. He, he hasn't quite hit his straps the way I'd liked him to have uh, since I got him. I, that's a bit harsh. He's had a couple of really good scores, but... You're probably comparing him to um, Felipe, who is going to be – he'll be around the 180, 190K mark, and Kerry is going to be around about the 150K mark. So he's a lot cheaper. You know, he's the Australian short-form keeper. Um, the way I'm looking at it as a Kerry owner and a non-Felipe owner is a bit, like I said with uh, just prior to this topic, getting them both in. Um, whoever plays first in the round, just put them as your, your bench AE loophole – if they go big, you've got two batsmen who, you know, if they score low, they can score really low in Supercoach if they don't get any runs. 
um, and then, you know, loop them with a Pfeiffer or whoever your dual wicket keepers are there um, and then get them both in your side? If, does that make sense? And do you like the tactic? Mate, if I had the luxury of doing that, I'd be that happy. I do. I cannot afford to do that. But if you can, 100%. Because um, they're both star performers. As I said, you pick your best. You basically get a free crack at both of them. Um, and most weeks, one of them is probably going to go off unless you're unlucky. So love the idea. Um, keepers is a funny one. It's a little bit um, – there's a few performers there. I've got McDermott, as I mentioned. He's worth 180K at the moment. So I could sell him to Philippi, but I've just got some other areas I want to fix up. Um, and I think McDermott and Philippi are quite similar. They're both aggressive. They can both score a heap of runs, um, so I think they're reasonably similar moulds. Um, Kerry's class, he's, um, mm. if you own him, there's certainly no need to panic there. Um, I think he's been a, a tad unlucky a couple of matches, so he's probably for, due for a big one soon. So if you own, I'd be certainly very happy, and if you need a, a less expensive keeper, then yeah, sure. Tomo, would you be going Kerry to Philippi? Uh Look, they're much for muchers, aren't they? Because they're both quality players and Philippi's had the run at the moment. But Carey, as you said, you know, he had that little patch during the tournament where he was looking in good form, especially at the Adelaide Oval. Um, you know, I wouldn't sell Carey to Philippe, um because, you know, Carey's a quality batsman. Um, I like your little wicketkeeper play there as well there, Timmy. I've got Inglis and Philippe in my side at the moment. I'm thinking the last few rounds. Um, using them with Pfeiffer if it's possible and sort of having a double crack at the wicketkeeper position is a good little tactic there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a, gr- a great ploy if you can swing it financially speaking. And uh, He's actually opened up the last game or two, Carey, for the striker, so more time at the crease can only mean good things despite the fact that he hasn't actually scored many runs. Uh, moving on now to the Brisbane Heat, uh, a team that have struggled, but they're, they're starting to find a bit of form in the Big Bash. A couple of interesting little prospects there, Tomo, who are the guys, or are there any guys, I suppose, at the heat that you're eyeing off for the run home? Yeah, sure. I haven't had one uh, Chris Lynn in my team, but when I did a little digging during the week, he's someone that I've really strongly got to consider for the single weeks in the run home. He's just looked really, really good coming back from injury, opening up, and he's scoring with remarkable consistency. You know, yes, he's been a bit lucky and some teams, especially the Sixers, have put him down in recent digs. But, you know, as a spy would say, that's just T20 cricket. Um, 30, 48, 56 and 50 since returning. Um, and he's always going to score quickly. If Linney's there at the crease, he's scoring quickly. And I think I'm right in saying he's yet to score under that magic 20 run mark. So for someone that could be a bit inconsistent in previous seasons... He's got that strike rate bonus, I'm pretty sure, every match. So he's someone that, even though he's not as cheap as he once was, for someone that's playing that consistently, he's someone I've really got to look and bring in. And the other one, I've just got a slight watch on Mornay Morkel. Um, His return was okay, one for 29. You'd think he'd only get better, might bowl some key overs. So I've got a little watch on Morkel. Yeah, like the Mornay watch. Um on Chris Lynn, I've said it twice in the last two teams, but uh, if you want a batsman who you're a bit, little bit worried about them going low, want to AE them, uh, auto emergency loophole, and when they go big in the last three rounds, the Heat are playing in game two, game one, and game two. Um, so he's a, a pretty perfect exponent of this um, if you want to do that. And again, I'm not a Lynn owner. I was going to bring him in for that double game week when the rain was coming. It scared me off, but a guy that I'll look to bring in this week before he gets too expensive. Three round average of 91, 38% owned. 
Um, so it's, it's a bit of a case of he's a massive antipod opportunity at that ownership, um, but super coaching get away from you very quickly if he's to come out and put on a big score. Spy, who have you got? Yeah, no one really for Brisbane. Um, you talk about Linney and I had the same story, mate, during that double game week. Had him penciled in as an absolute definite, and then it was pouring rain at the Gold Coast. I thought they might get on, and by the time they tossed, Supercoach was actually locked out, so I couldn't ring him in, and he went off, and that's all she wrote. He's blown out of out of coin a little bit. He's put on about 30K and a heap of runs since then, so very frustrating, that. Um, speak to the rule changes, actually. We might have to get that lockout delayed if it's ever raining and at least yeah. get the toss on the teams in because it makes it bloody hard. Um, that's all good. I think, Linny, for me, it's either – if you're picking out a one, I'd prefer Alex Hales uh, at a slightly cheaper price, so I'd go Hales over Lynn, but I can understand why you'd want him. Uh, he's been a little bit more conservative this year, so – that's probably led to that consistency, less less low scores, and he's just sort of trying to, to take his time a little bit more this year. So that's probably only a benefit for, for owners. But I'll tell you what, he's due to he's due to get caught off a cracking catch or something soon. He's he's yeah. ridden his luck nicely, Lenny. Um, so I'll stay off, but I can understand why you'd want him. Um, he's certainly a quality performer. He's done it done it for years, so he's a class act. Yeah, and uh, just two more to touch on before we move on from the heat that Fish wrote about in his article today, his, his Pod Hunter article. It's a ripper every week. He puts a lot of work into that one, a lot of research goes into it. Uh, he's Mark Steckity, who's 8% owned. He's played nine games, only has one score under 45, and that was a 30, which is hardly disgraceful. Averaging 61, so it sort of shows that he's not necessarily going big, but he's been very consistent. Uh, hasn't gone wicketless at all in those nine games. So Steckity's one who, you know, He's got to be looked at pretty seriously, I think. And the other one, pending international duty, but you'd think Mitchie Swepson is due to get released from that squad at the end of this test and hopefully jag a few games in the back end of the tournament for the Heat. 106K. This is a bloke who outperformed Adam Zampa in the Oz versus India short-form games earlier this season. So Swepson, if he comes into that price and you need to free up some cash, um, I think he's a very serious play based on what we've seen Zampa do already. Yes, please. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, I'm second, some, I'm, second that. I'm, I need some value. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to the Perth Scorchers. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. And, yeah, I mean, again, there's, they're probably guys that we've already got in our side, most of their guns for this round being on the double. Um, Matt, who are the Scorchers who you're either eyeing off or the ones, if you already own them, that you'll be looking to hold on to for the rest of the season? Yeah, I've got Richo, Livingston, Inglis and Ty. Um, Richo I'll be keeping. He's the leading wicket-taker so far in the BBL with 19, so he's got to be a keeper for me. Um, Livingston will stay. I don't think he's a keeper, but, you know, for his form and the price rises that will come, he'll be hanging around for a bit. Inglis we sort of touched on. I'm thinking with Inglis and Felipe and Pfeiffer, there could be a bit of manoeuvring there and have a double crack if it's possible at the wicket-keeper position. Um, so Inglis, while, you know, he... Not in great form. He did have that little patch after he moved down from opening and looked a bit better in the middle order. So if he's going to stay in the middle order, you know, he could um, get some scores for me. And Ty, yeah, I don't know. Just as we mentioned earlier in the potty, you know, he he's a, he's a good player. You know, he's represented Australia in short-form cricket. But just we all have them. He's just that one for me. So probably best if I move him on for other people because then he's going to go and go bananas for them. Yeah, just doing doing your part for the Supercoach community, Tomo. 
That's it, mate. Team player. <laughs> uh, Spy, who do you like over the Scorchers? And, and the same question, I suppose. Who are the ones that you'll be holding and the ones that you're, you're looking at if you don't own already? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything Ty just said. Uh, I'm the same with AJ Ty, mate. Don't think you're alone. I, I held him uh, up till his 100, sold him that week. He turned up. And then I brought him back because I needed the money. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping he delivers soon for me, but I'll be looking to sell him probably after this round, um, uh, after making a bit of money off him at least. Uh, Jai Richardson is he's just one of my favourite cricketers in Australia at the moment. He's so good. He, he seems it. He's quick. He has steep bounce. I'll be I'll be looking to probably skip him for the run home. To be honest, the only reason I would possibly sell him is, as I said, with the money situation. If I really need some coin, I could actually go from Jai Richardson to another gun and probably make fifty or sixty k. But I'll be very reluctant to do that. I'll tell you, he's um he's just class. He's only twenty four years old. He's got a big future, um, the young fella. So good for Australian cricket and. The other one I'm enjoying owning is Colin Munro. He's um he's a great cricketer. He's in pretty good touch, so I'll probably look to keep Munro. Um, and the same with Livingston. I'll ride his price rise and see how he's looking, and maybe selling it, selling him in a couple of rounds once he peaks out, uh, or if he keeps up the form, I may look to hold him. Yep. Um, another one to add to that list in coming weeks, uh, who I actually brought in last week. It'll sound stupid, but I swear there's logic to it. Is Cam Green. Um, who I think I brought in two high-priced high guns for the double game week. I think Stoyness was one of them. Can't remember who the other one was. Um, Greeny allowed me what I found so, so valuable this year. You know how important they are, the dual players, but getting those dual bowlers batters in, particularly the low-priced ones and the, the non-playing ones who you can switch around in your side um, pretty freely without worrying about dropping one of your starting players as a jewel, result of the jewels. Um, I brought him in at 62K, freed up a stack of cash from my other trades. He's a guy who, if he does come back from international duty and plays the end of the Big Bash, as an all-rounder, is going to be, I think, a serious buy anyway. So I got in early in that sense. And if he doesn't come back, um, I've got a, a really good jewel player there anyway who I can switch between my sides, which enables more opportunity to use that VC loophole, um, you know, the AE loophole, that sort of things. Um, Tomo, what do you reckon about that? Yeah, no, that's a very sound call. Um, yeah, speaking about loops and I can't get for the pace, so having that flexibility with a loop, it's got my tick of approval. And you're right, if he comes back, um, he could star and score points anyway. So it gets a lot of ticks, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Um, moving on to our final side of the, the team previews and the guns from those sides is the Hobart Hurricanes. Um, Tom, my first question I'll start with is, is Darcy Short uh, – a certified must-have, or could you stay elsewhere? And then I suppose who are the Canes that you're looking at? Yeah, sure. I've got him, and I think whilst he hasn't amassed nearly as many runs as previous tournaments, and he's probably under-delivered um, this tournament so far, look, he's still a player. He's dangerous, and I think you want him on that single-game round, especially this year when we've seen some single-game rounds produce quite low scores, and he's, you know, he has a very high ceiling. Um, he's had probably as many amazing bowling performances as he has batting performances this year. You know, there's been two games where he's taken three wickets and has been pretty economical and chipped in with court and bowl too. Only two scores when batting above 50. Um, but I reckon that last knock against Perth, you know, he got some runs on the board and that just might be the one to get him back into form and finish off the tournament in style. So if you have him, 
you know, I would keep him around. I wouldn't be selling him and, you know, I'm going to keep him my side right to the end. Um, the other one I'm looking at, you know, if Wade comes back to the BBL, you know, he's a good BBL and short form player. You know, him and Short were a pretty devastating opening partnership there in previous years. So if he comes back, he might go big and, you know, just relish the chance to free his arms, a bit like Joey Burns did. And I'd, for you, Spy, and especially you, Timmy, we were both owners at the start of the year, Will Jacks. What would you do if Jacking. Will Jacks comes back into the side? Yeah, and he, I think he. there's a bit of talk about him uh, playing, batting, you know, batting at top of the order. He might get a chance to roll the arm over a little bit. So Jax would be, yeah, certainly one to monitor with that all-rounder status. Mate, before we move on um, from you, Tomo, Darcy Short, pending how he goes in tonight's game, 172 coming K coming into the round, negative 25 break even. So, you know, he's going to get a big, big price jump, you know, potentially onwards of 200,000. You mentioned you wouldn't be selling. Would you be buying this round at 200K or next round, should I say? Uh, Sam's is the priority. Sam's is yeah. the number one priority. Um, I'm not sure. Well, he's such a clear number one. I'm not sure who the number two is. Um, yeah, if you don't have Sam's or Short, make room for Sam's. Short, you know, it's a lot, but he's a good player. Um, Sam's number one for me. Would I be buying him? Look, probably. Probably. Yeah. And, I mean, as we say each and every week, it's really easy to sit here and say, yeah, I want Richardson, I want Darcy Short, and I want Daniel Sams next week, all for 200K each. Then you go to your bank and, and try and do your trades, and you're about 250K short of making those three trades. So, um, as you said with Sams, you, you, do, you have to prioritise them, and, and you can't have them all, particularly not in the space of one week without thinking ahead. Um, Spy, who do you like at the Canes, and what's your quick take on Darcy Short? Yeah, I'm pretty big on Darcy Short, especially to end the tournament. Um, as Tom I mentioned, he's bowling quite well. He's a wicket taker, and he's just he's too good not to sorry he's too good to keep not scoring runs. So I think he's due. Um, whether it's tonight or the next round, I think you'll find he'll score runs again. Combine that with his bowling, he's a serious purchase. My take on Darcy would be if you can get him in, absolutely do it. But as we just mentioned, it may not be possible if you're getting Sam's and then. To get another guy around 200k might might not be possible. If you can do it, I'd absolutely get him in. I think he'll come home strongly. Uh, Benning McDermott's had a really good tournament. He's in good form. He's coming along as a cricketer, so he's one to look at. He will fall back in price a bit after this round, uh, pending how he scores tonight. So could be an option. But again, he's in that keeper range. If you own him already, you probably just ride ride along. But I don't know if you probably have the trades or time to look at someone like McDermott unless you already own him and. Your boy Tim Dawood Milan, he's mm. got to be due, doesn't he? He's sort of he's looked quite good without really going off yet. Um, he's going to be very cheap next round. Um, he might be one of those guys. I've got a good look at him to try bring him in. Um, just sort of a, he's got that point scoring ability. B, he's a super pod, and C, he doesn't cost much, so he's perfect. He fits all the categories if you want to bring him in. Uh, my question for you boys would be: I already own Short and McDermott, so if I was then to bring in Milan, I've got the top three, which always worries me a little bit because it's hard for them all to go off in one match. But then I guess on the flip side, if two of the three go off, you're laughing. So do you think owning the top three at Hobart is too many, or? Or do I have a crack at Milan? I personally think it might be too many because the Hurricanes, as a side, is just, you know they go through peaks and troughs, but 
they're not really one of the hotter sides at the moment, aren't they? They started really well, but they're a bit on the slide. So bringing in three, they are batting powerhouses, but bringing in three for a team that's probably on the slight drop, yeah, I'd rather spread the love around, I suppose. Yep. They also, I'm just looking now, They in the last three rounds, they play in the third of four games in the round, fourth of four and three of four. So I was going to suggest, yeah, again, another perfect opportunity just to AE loop one of them, um, which gives you a bit more freedom and takes a little bit of that risk off. But playing that late in the round, you won't be able to utilise that. So, yeah, there probably is a little bit of risk involved in it. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And just quickly, boys, Alex Hales is 21 off 11 yep. at the moment. So <laughs> exactly what he does. He's already got your 47 super coach points and he can relax a bit. That's why I'd like to own him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm 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 certainly not all in on Darwood Milan anymore as I was earlier on, but I seriously think he's due to come good. So I think I said I, I won't be selling him, particularly now that he's dropped a lot in in value. But he's still only at six percent ownership, um, which for the world's best T20 batsman that could change at any minute. Um, fellas, we've talked about the ones we want primarily. Tomo, are there any guys that you'll be avoiding in the last few rounds? Predominantly, you know, more popular players or high scoring players in the game thus far. Yeah, sure thing. So, touched on a few of these a bit earlier in our chat, but we'll just go over them. Um, Kudanal, I'm not sure exactly when he'll be back and what will his form be after, you know, what's been quite a long layoff. That high-scoring first game with the wickets and the runouts will not be repeated. Um, so, even though he's a high-averaging player, not one for me. Uh, Wildermuth, I traded out last round, and he's quite highly owned. He struggled with the ball last game, one for 52. Um, he's moved down the order, as we've mentioned, in terms of his batting. And I think he's only scored over that magic 20 runs mark, I think, twice. And the Heat now, pace-wise, have a few options. You know, they've got Morkel. Steckity is taking wickets. Bartlett, gee, Bartlett was stiff to be subbed out after one over and taking one for two and getting rid of Sean Marsh. So they've got a few pace bowling options. I think he's averaging you know, a tick over one wicket a game. He's had his moment in the sun now, and even though he's really highly owned and he bat, well, he's a bat bowl eligible, but he's more a bowler, there's others I'm looking at. Finchy, geez, cheap as chips, Finchy, and very highly, he's surprisingly highly owned for someone that's really struggled for a large part of the tournament in what is a struggling side, averaging, you know, just 16, and, you know, his last few performances haven't been crash hot. I'd rather probably Sean Marsh or even, you know, one of the other Renegades batsmen at the moment. We know it can change. We know it can change, but... I just want to see that little knock showing a bit of better form before I jumped in. And the last people, you know, personally I have Josh Filipe and he's got the most runs of the tournament, so I'm comfortable with him over Carey and Benny McDermott. The strikers, I think, are a bit vulnerable and a lot of pressure goes on to Carey. He's quality, but there's a lot of pressure on him in terms of that batting order. McDermott has had his moments too. With Will Jack's back, you know, there's a question mark if there's a slight role change and, you know, Carey and McDermott, just a couple of wicket keepers, I prefer Philippe at the moment. So there's a few of the more highly owned players that I would be avoiding or possibly looking to trade out. That's it, mate. A few big calls from uh, from the defending champs, so take note of those if there are any guys that you're interested in. Uh, it's a fickle game, those super coach, so, you know, it's a, it's a very, very tough one, mate, but I like it all. 
Uh, Spy, who are the guys that you'll be looking to avoid? Um, we've already touched on him a little bit to a degree, but uh, AJ Ty, I think I'll sell after this round, hopefully at a reasonable price. Uh, I wouldn't mind owning him still if he was around 90000 but if you can sell him for like 150 I certainly wouldn't be holding him. Uh, his price is inflated as a result of one big match. I don't think he's bowling as well, or he's definitely not bowling as well as he did in the past. So happy to take that value and flip him elsewhere, maybe to Kane Richardson or someone like that. Maybe even Zahi Khan, that could free out like $70,000, which is super valuable. Uh, I tend to agree on Wildermuth, mate. He's an excellent cricketer, just quietly. Um, but just with that slightly limited role now where he's not really batting, uh, again, are there better options possibly? So may avoid or may sell Wildermuth. Christy Lynn, as we discussed, I'm gonna, I'm not going to buy him anymore. I could have got him for the double week, then it rained. I'm almost too stubborn now to bring him in because yeah. – and it's one of them things where I did bring him in and he got two ducks. I just couldn't deal with it. So I'm just going to not buy him and hope he does get a couple of quackers. But, um, yeah, he still looks pretty good though. But you can't you can't have everyone and you do have to sell bikes. So that would be it. And f- my notes on Philippi. Um, who's, gee, look good the last two matches. He really loves a flat pitch. I mean, so does everyone, but him in particular, when it's coming on to the bat, he's absolutely outstanding. So he's averaging 63 at the moment. Two of his last three matches are the MCG, which is it's a bigger ground. It's probably not as easy to bat on, or certainly not compared to Marnica and Metricon, where he scored his big, big scores at the moment. Um, so what I've got written here is you may be able to sell Philippi after the Adelaide match for over $200,000. You might mm. be able to go to Kerry, and if you need to free up sixty or 70000 bucks, that's an option. Obviously, if you're stacked with money, you can keep Philippi, no dramas. But at that price, he's certainly not someone you have to keep. So just bear that in mind um, and just enjoy the show if you don't own him. He either scores 100 or gets two. It's all happening. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thought to keep in mind, mate, and I like it. Um, I've got on mine, <clears throat> I've tried not to speak sort of too much about them throughout, thinking, knowing this one had come up, but I've got Dan Christian on it. Um, no real knock on him. I just think I, I do have a bit of concern with uh, Abbott and, and Moe Enriquez potentially coming back. Uh, the big factor, though, is along with his price, that he's going to be over 180K uh, when lockout finishes up. It's just he's at 43% ownership. Now, we talk about antipods every now and then. Um, you know, instead of going the low ownership pick, the pod pick, you go the antipod pick and you stray away from the pack where everyone's gone with one player, um, you go elsewhere. So Christian at 43% ownership is massive. Just those weeks where, where he might only bowl two overs and, you know, the top order of the sixes might fire and he might only get a few overs at best. Um, I'm willing to take on Dan Christian at his big price and big ownership. Um Spy, your love for Jai Richardson surprises me a little bit. Um, no knock on Richo, but just as far as Supercoach comes, when you say he'll probably be your skipper every week for the run home, there's all these gun, jewel, jewel like bat- like all-rounders who are, are batting relatively high or coming in with late cameos, bowling their four overs, you know, your Daniel Sams, your Darcy Shorts, who are just such safer options. Richo on a non-double game week, I know he's been superb throughout the tournament, no knock, but... Um, at a massive, massive price, who I currently don't own him, so I'm death riding him into the second game of the double. Um, I just, even if I did own, I, I wouldn't be as comfortable skipping him as you are and how happy you are with him. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I think you'll find he has a lot of dot balls. He's 
gets the economy rate bonus a lot because he's so tight and he picks up wickets. So he's kind of got that triple threat as a bowler. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like anyone, he can go for runs. But if you have a look at his consistency, it's right up there. And what I've found this tournament, part of the reason I've sort of had a few tough weeks is because I'm just... The blokes in my side are quality players, but they're not in form. So I just want to start backing blokes in form, and George is one of those fellas. Yeah, he certainly is, mate. Fellas, let's jump into our bold predictions. <clears throat> our bold predictions around for, across rounds 11 to 13, the final three rounds before the finals kick off. Uh, we'll quickly recap our round nine predictions from the prior podcast. Tomo had a, a century to an opener. That was a fail. He had Darcy Short score 50-plus runs. He nailed that with 54, so good going, Tomo, firing son. And he had Alex Hales to go 100-plus supercoach points, which was a fail. He had 89, so, I mean, as far as fails go, that's one of the better ones I've seen. So pretty strong week for you. Fish had Finchie to go 120-plus. I didn't even check what he got because it was probably sub-10, but big fail. He had Colin Munro 100-plus. He didn't actually play that game. He got injured and, and pulled out of it. Uh, and he had Larkin to go 100-plus, which was another big fail. So um, Fish is about on par with how he's been all season on his, his bold predictions. Uh, I wasn't much better. I had Adam Zampa to go 100-plus. That was a fail. He got 73. And I had Nathan Ellis to go 100-plus plus just because I was frothing him for no reason in particular. Uh, I think he got about 25, so not even close. Let's see if we can up it this week. Or in your case, Tomo, stick strong and keep up the form. What have you got for us? All right, here we go. Some more bold predictions. Look, I've mentioned it a bit earlier. I think Adelaide and Brisbane will be the two teams that start to slide after their spinners have gone off for international duty. They were so, so good for their sides. So I'm thinking big scores for batsmen or openers against these sides. I'm pretty sure the Thunder play them both. So I'm thinking Hales, Aquaja, and Spies informing us that they both seem to be in a bit of form tonight. I'm thinking Hales, Aquaja will average over 100 in the final stretch of the season, the last three matches. So Hales, Aquaja to average over 100 super coach points. I'm um, going Finch. I just I need to see more from Finch. So I reckon Finch won't have an innings that reaches that magic 20 runs mark for the rest of the tournament. So Finch to score under 20. Huge. And I think Sam's, he hasn't taken that bag of wickets yet. I reckon he's going to have a game sometime in the last few where he'll go over 160 in a single game week. So Sam's over 160. And I've got Stoinis, he's back bowling, but I reckon it'll only be short spells. So I've got Stoinis, even if he bowls, to go wicketless in the tournament. There are a few bowl predictions to monitor. Nice, mate. I, I like those, those calls, uh, whether they help my side or not, not so much. But a no, no, few unique ones there. Uh, Spy, I will touch on it because we give you a hammer in at times, but particularly when it comes to bold predictions. But you missed the last podcast, but the, the bold predictions recap leading into to that episode, yeah, I think you nailed three from three of them, and there were some, some pretty leery ones in there as well. So kudos for finding a bit of form. Mate, can you keep it up? What have you got for us for the run home? Thanks, mate. Yeah, 2021 is going to be a big one for the bold predictions for the spy. So uh, we've got Darcy Short to come home averaging 70-plus. Now, I want to include tonight in that if I can. So the last four rounds, 70-plus for Darcy. He's playing at Monica tonight, so he's going to get runs. It's going to be here. Jai Richardson, this is bold, to average 80-plus over the last three rounds. We know he can do it, but it's obviously that's a lot of, mm. a lot of points. And Alex Hales to average 70 plus, and that also includes tonight. 
because he's also at Wanaka. 70 plus, <laughs> last four rounds, and he's also on uh, 30 not out at the moment. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that might also include one monster score. So even if he does have a failure in there, he'll, he'll make up for it with one monster. And I've just added one in. I started the first ever podcast this year with the BBL. I, I was anti-Philippi, even though I promise you I do like him. I'm going to go Philippi under 50 because I just need it to happen. So Philippi to average under 50 for the last three rounds, um, back on places where it's not an absolute road. So they're my four lads. Very nice, fellas. Um, I'll throw in just two for me for the run home, but um, <clears throat> lad, I think I think we've all been pretty impressed with Adam Zampa this well, not just this tournament, but he's just going from strength to strength as a, as a bowler. I think he's looked a class above. He's been exceptional in the double round in Supercoach for us, taking that five for um, an absolute star. I think he'll be the top wicket taker for the last three rounds of the BBL. Uh, and as an owner, I'll be really hoping that does happen. Um, and I've ramped him up for weeks on weeks on end now, and that's Darwood Milan to score a, a ton. A, a, not a Supercoach ton. Milan's going to score a big bash ton before the end of the tournament, which will equate to an absolute stack of Supercoach nice. points. And it's going to shoot me into the top. 500 or 300 or something. Beautiful. Anyway, may as well be positive about these things. Mm. <laughs> and lads, let's wrap it up and talk about uh, – we've, we've talked about our targets for the run home, but let's narrow it down uh, and, and order our top, you know, might be three, top five targets that you're after for the run home. Um, and just to make it a little bit clearer for the listeners, if you've got your team up in front of you, name the guns that you already have so that they don't think you're, you're bypassing them sort of players. Um, Tom, I'll start with you. Who, who are your top five or your top few targets for the run home? Sure thing. So sort of out of the big dogs, I've got Stoinis, Short, Felipe, Richardson, um, Jai Richardson, Zampa, Maxwell and Christian. So the number one for me is Daniel Sams. He'll be the number one target for me this week. Um, number two, it probably won't be pro- possible with Price, but Chris Lynn I'm looking to bring in because he's been so consistent. Uh, number The next number, number three, is Hales or Kawaja. Probably Kawaja just because he's a bit cheaper than Hales. Uh, the next one I would go is... I'm with you a bit on Kane Richardson. He's just a bit cheaper and he's still a quality player and he's guaranteed he's four. Um, and the last one would be a test player that returns, which is a bit of a cop-out, but, you know, I'm not <laughs> sure when they'll come back, but they're all quality. And, you know, Enriquez is cheap, Abbott's expensive, but if a test player came back, I'd have to consider them in my trade targets. So they're my five that I'll be looking at getting over in the next couple of rounds. Yeah, nice. Um, those test players, there's a serious watch on their availability because there are so many good options uh, and a lot of them at pretty decent value as well. Um, how it'll impact it, them coming off a test summer and not playing much court form, I'm not sure. Probably a concern, but again, they're that level for a reason. They're just a, a class. They're probably more than class above, to be honest. Um, Spy, what have you got uh, your targets to run home and, and who are the guns you already own, if you own any guns in your side? Mate, I've got a, I've got a couple in there. Uh, which is a surprise after the last couple of rounds. <laughs> Joe Richardson, Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoinis, who I did pick up at 130k or something a few weeks ago. So he's been one of the one of the highlights of my side, Big Stoin. Um, and I've also got Darcy Short. I've had him since the start. Um, so my targets. This is very personalised given my lack of funds at the moment. But I'm my targets are Kane Richardson, Zahir Khan, 
either both or one of those two just to free up cash but also get some pretty quality bowlers in. And then I really want Alex Howes, as I've mentioned. Um, I've got Milan as, an, as a side note. Again, the only reason I wouldn't want Milan is due to the fact that that would give me the whole of the Hobart top three. Um, but maybe I'll just back it in and hope they really hit form. That leaves me one sort of stud. It has to be Daniel Sams, as you said, Tomo. He's an absolute gun. Um, I, I'd love Dan Christian as well. I think he's going to be out of price range. Uh, high ownership, as you said, Timo. So I'll probably just have to fade on him and hope he doesn't go off too much. But he's just playing such good cricket. I, re- I really like him as a bloke too. So good on big Dan Christian. Um, so they'd be my five with an obvious watch on the, the test players if and when they return, mainly Travis Head and Sean Abbott. But, yeah, so it'd be Kane Richardson, Alex Hales, Zahir Khan, which would allow me to get Daniel Sams, and then it would be uh, probably David Milan at five. Nice, mate. Well, uh, in a bit of good news for your spy and your your lack of funds at the moment, Alex Hales is gone. And yes. There was a- there was a bit of luck to it as well. I mean, not good for your bold predictions. A, a tough start to bold predictions. I've actually changed yeah. that just just the last three rounds. Yeah. Bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and the luck comes into it in that my boy, Nathan Ellis, as per cricket info, juggles a superb catch. A sky ball hit miles in the air and he held onto it a deep square. Sounds like a corker, so... Spy, your luck's starting to turn, mate. You beauty, and on oh, this is not so good, uh, but I think you might not have played him anyway, Tomo, but Ollie Davies just got out first ball. Oh, thank, oh. thank oh. goodness I went Fergo, so Fergo. Good. Oh. So Fergo's quick now quick in. 550. Yeah, quick 550 for Fergo. Come on, mate, he owes <laughs> me. <laughs> um, that's all happening. This, this live cricket, live, uh, not live podcast, but it's it's all happening. It's brilliant. Um, Jump onto my five targets. Uh, the guys that I own already, I've um, got a few in there. So I'm fairly, relatively happy with my side at the moment. I've got uh, Maxwell in there, Stoinis Zampa, Darcy Short. Um, uh, you probably wouldn't call him a gun, but Liam Livingston coming off a big week and Darwin Malai and Alex Carey. So I'm pretty happy with a lot of them, particularly my, my stars trio and Darcy Short, who won't be going anywhere for me. Um, Daniel Sams, top of the list by a mile. He'll be coming in next week. I'll be moving heaven and earth to make that happen. Um, I don't sort of, pending maybe sort of some border restrictions or something, I don't see why the the test players wouldn't be released, particularly the test players who haven't been playing and Sean Abbott's at the top of that. And he's just such a massive, massive pod to come into the side despite not playing for a while. Um, Josh Felipe, as I said, I'd like to bring him in and use him in a, a bit of rotation with Alex Carey at keeper with that AE loophole. Uh, and then I'm going to leave my last target down to A. Richardson. So um, whether that be Jai Richardson or Kane Richardson, I, I want to antipod and go against Jai Richardson and stay strong. But um, as I said, he's looking exceptional, so I haven't locked that in. But uh, probably him or, or Kane Richardson, but leaning towards Kane Richardson as more of the pod play at the moment. Tomo, I'll get your thoughts on your captains for the run home, which basically the question is, who do you think the, the best player is in Supercoach? Um, and I will touch on the fact that, you know, the, the real popular players are going to be Stoinis now that he's bowling, Maxi and probably Darcy Short. But on Maxi and Stoinis and probably Zampa to a lesser degree, the Stars play game one um, in round 11. Then they play game two in round 12 and 13. So the Stars are probably going to be your VC loophole picks. Um, mate, who, who are the blokes that you're looking at as your skippers for the run home? 
Yeah, sure thing. That schedule does sound pretty enticing for a bit of VC action. Um, the four players that I reckon I'll be prioritising or I'll be choosing for vice captains and captains are the true all-rounders of the competition. We've said it a lot of times on the podcast, but those true all-rounders give you two chances with its batting or with its bowling to score points. And the true all-rounders are the gun all-rounders. You know, they're the ones I think you have to look at your captain choices unless you wanted to go a bit outside the box. Um, so Sam's, Maxi, Dan Christian and Darcy Short, there'll be a lot of the captain, vice-captain action for me in the final few rounds. Mm. Yep, very nice. Uh, Spy, who are yours, mate? I think Big Stoinis will be my vice-captain on those early games. I think he's he's batting really, really well and he's got to cross those fingers that he bowls sort of more than the one over. I get the idea they probably eased him in last night, but there's no reason why he may not knock out two or three uh, in Tell the coming weeks. Tell us why over Maxi, mate. Uh, no major reason. I just think Stoinis has probably a higher batting ceiling at the moment. He's opening the batting and we saw about a week or two ago he scored 97. He's really got the capability of going 100 plus with the bat and then if he bowls as well, that's that's kind of why I like him and I think everyone will VC Maxi. So it's just a little bit of a point of difference uh, for a bloke that's quality. Um, certainly not a knock on Maxi who's my captain this week and doing a, doing a fine job. Uh, his class, and he's actually due for runs as well, Max. He's had a quiet couple of games, so he'll explode again soon, no doubt. I've already mentioned Jai Richardson. I might just throw it on him. I haven't properly looked where they're playing yet. I'll make sure it's a reasonable track for the quickies to bowl on, but he's just class. And if you have a look at his numbers over the last five or six rounds, uh, they're right up there. He's very consistent, so I might back him in. Um, but, of course, you've got Daniel Sams there as an option uh, who I may go overdrive. just depends how I'm feeling, how bold I'm feeling. Um, and we'll go from there, lads. Just a quick update around the grounds as well. Scotty Boland just took three for two in and over at Monica. That's some display Ooh, there. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be Maxi. He'll be my vice captain probably for the last three rounds, to be honest. Unless Stoyner starts bowling, you know, minimum two overs, I'll start considering him big time. But... Uh, I just can't not go with the crowd with Maxi. I just think he's a class above in Supercoach this year. He's just looking awesome with the bat, looking great with the ball, very economical, taking wickets. Uh, my skippers will be between Darcy Short and Daniel Sams, I think, following that most weeks, pending the makeup of, of the round. Uh, and I'm going to leave you with one more question um, before we take off, fellas. And now that there aren't any double gamers on f- to finish the season, obviously the VC loophole becomes, you know, if they score well, you lock it in, um, provided you've got a, a guaranteed uh, person to loop into that position. Tomo, what score are you looking at from your vice-captain to lock in that loophole each week for the next three weeks? Mm, the old magic number question. I don't always have a um, fixed number. It really depends on matchups and gut feeling and how some other players are scoring from the round. But if your player got anywhere above sort of 70, especially if you were somewhere up there in the rankings, you know, where you don't want to go too outrageous. If you've got over 70, that's nothing to sneeze at. But if you're lower down, you've got nothing to lose, you know, you could always go. But I reckon somewhere around 70 is somewhere that I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Spy, what do you think the magic number is or, or, or thereabouts? Yeah, I'm pretty close, but I'd be pretty happy 65 and above. 
Uh, even 60 is pretty decent, to be honest. If you lock in 120 points as your skipper on the first game of the round, you'll be pretty happy with that. But especially with rain potentially around, yeah, look, but I think 65 is probably my number, uh, give or take a little bit. Yeah, funny you say that, fellas, because I, I, this wasn't in any podcast plan or anything. We haven't spoken about it off air, but I can I'm about 65 as well. I reckon if my skipper, my VC gets 65, I'm happy to loop that. Anything under it, oh, I'm probably looking looking to, to back myself and or back my skipper in. Um, but, yeah, just something to note. And obviously, there are conditions and forecasts, all that sort of thing to worry about, but uh, just something to note for the run home. Uh, Tomo, thank you very much, mate. It's been an extended one, but uh, the endurance has been good. Yeah, no, it's always good fun, fellas, and let's hope for a charge towards the end of the season and Ferguson to go massive for the rest of tonight. Bloody oath, mate. Spy, thank you. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, hopefully uh, uh, Ferguson, mate, can steer clear of the Scotty Boland Express and, uh, and do the job for you, mate. Good stuff, mate. Well, uh, we'll be back for a, a sort of a, a wrap-up before the finals and we'll do a preview podcast before that all kicks off. And uh, But until then, guys, thanks for tuning in. Cheers.